Uh, well, I was playing um, D&D the other night, the night we were supposed to record yeah. originally, because I'd forgotten I'd agreed to play D&D that night, and I had to close Discord because I was in the middle of a big conversation about, uh, what the fuck was it? Something really stupid. As <laughs> usual. Uh, manga Time Kira Ra Four Coma Comics. <laughs> yeah, that's what it was. I am my bluebird. Help me understand. A giant margarita is also gonna get bad. Gonna get bad. Gonna get bad. A giant margarita is also gonna get bad. I am my bluebird. Help me understand. A giant margarita is also gonna get bad. Gonna get bad. Welcome back to Mongoing Your Ears. Uh, Pax is with me again. Hey, I'm here again. Yeah. Uh, and my usual co-host from the Kaiku Podcast is also with me, Chris. Hello. Uh, and we're here to talk about uh, the Voynich Hotel, which is a manga that uh, I came across because Pax told me to read it. Uh, that's yeah. basically the whole story. Uh, Pax, how did you come across this? Well, um, I'd read it years ago. It's not like that new, like as far as like from Japan, it's from what 10 ish, if I recall correctly. Let me actually look it up because I don't remember. The, the little research I saw was that he started serializing it in 2006 sporadically, and the first volume, I guess, actually did officially come out in 2010. Yeah, um, so I stumbled across it years ago. Um, the manga's name is Doman Simon or Saman. I'm actually not 100% sure. I haven't looked up exactly how it's pronounced. Um and he does a lot of he does a lot of weird kind of horror comedy type short stories. That's probably the thing he's best known for. There's a lot of that type of stuff. Um I, I know that he's on the level because on uh Baka BT one of his credits is a witchcraft works dojinshi, dojinshi. So I know yeah. he knows what he's doing. Yeah, um, he does. He does. A, he's done a decent amount of dojinshi stuff. Um, uh, a Hana to Alice comic, which is a movie. It's it's like a, it's like a prequel to the movie. Um, and then just a bunch of short stories. There's a bunch of like he's ha- had multiple like anthology series come out. Um, some Yuri stuff, uh, a lot of weird kind of horror stuff, too. That's kind of the weird kind of weird comedy horror is really his ballpark. Um, and that's what I like about him. Um, he has some stuff in Robot, which was the um, which is the Range Murata, like full color anthology comic series that started coming out in the US in the early aughts kind of like I don't know what the first kind of bubble period probably um yeah you they're like full color magazine type things they're insanely high well produced yeah when we last talked it was like one company put out the first or two of the the volumes and then another company put out two more of the volumes yeah so also well, DMP actually put out the first 3 back in the day and then Udon picked it up and put out the second two 
and I was actually just doing some research, um, and the sixth is actually listed for January, even though it's been quite a long time, uh, and I never noticed that before, so I don't know if that's actually still happening. If it is, that's fantastic because there's ten volumes in total, and it's never and it was never finished in English. I actually can't remember if any of Simon's stuff is in the ones that have been translated or not. Uh, unfortunately, I don't have mine readily available to check. But yeah, yeah, there is something. There's there is, one of his stories is in volume two for sure. So he's got at least one other thing that's been officially translated in English. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, so the point. So he has a big uh, history in English. Yeah, well, not much, but a little bit. It exists. Um, in these books that nobody bought. I'm, um, I'm looking it up now. I've never heard of this robot manga I'm, before. I'm genuinely surprised you haven't heard of it. Yeah. Because um, I think it would be mostly up your alley. I don't know how you feel about range specifically, but um, it's got all sorts of cool people in it. Like Yoshitoshi Abe has stories in there. Yeah, that's what I see. Like the first, the first volume, like that's very, very uh, Abe's style. Yeah. Uh, Hiroyuki Asada, um, the guy who did uh, Letter B, is always in there. Oh, um, I love Tagami Bachi. Uh, Pez, um, the thing that uh, Denpa is putting out, ran in Robot. So that's actually where that comes from. Okay. Uh, so those are worth checking out. I highly recommend you check out. I think they're pretty cool. Um, they're all they're a little like there is serialized stuff across some of the volumes and stuff like that too. Very interesting. Uh, so yeah. Anyway. Yeah, we're here to talk um, about when it can <laughs> I may or may not have mentioned that. I don't remember by this point. You did. Okay. Uh, um, right. That's how we got into this whole tangent. Uh, so. <laughs> Uh, Chris, you usually do the, the breakdowns of it on Kaiku. Would you like to break it down here for us on, on Mogging Your Ears? Ooh, uh, I'll, so, see if I can, I'll see if I can give it a shot. Volume but, 1 came out in July. We should mention that, too. Yeah, so it's, it's been a few months. And Volume 2, you said, was coming out just uh, in a few weeks. Yeah, October, October 16th. Okay. I got I got seven seasons page up. So they're, they're doing it once every four months. That's why the third volume doesn't come out until the end of January. So, oh, so. Uh, the Voynich Hotel. Um, basically, after reading the first volume, I can give a proper summary, but I like how it teased out what was actually happening throughout the book. Um, so basically, there's this island. I cannot remember the name because it was a crazy-ass name that had bees in it. There it is. Blufusku. <laughs> is a small, small island nation in the southwest pacific uh supposedly it was a uh colonized by the japanese many many years ago and then the spanish decided to invade um started this whole spanish war so the japanese split the locals therefore have extra hate for the japanese but they were able to survive the spanish invasion thanks to three witches who reside on the island which i i actually kind of love this um, the, the three witches, it's uh, Mater Tenebratum, Metum Suspiriam, and Metum Lacriam, which horror fans will notice this from uh, Dario Argento's uh, trilogy of movies, two of which I've seen because the third one's not supposed to be any good, Suspiria, um, Inferno, 
and the Mother of Tears, uh, there's actually a really good Suspiria joke towards the end of the book. I'll get to later. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, so the, the Dario Argento's three mothers are these witches that saved the island from the Spanish invasion. Um, however, one of them was murdered during the, uh, the war, and so they built this hotel on top of it. For some reason, and I'm pretty sure it's because of the, the spookiness of the history behind the hotel, the hotel just completely draws in, like, the worst of the worst. Um, over the course of the volume, we, we meet most of the people staying in the hotel and it's kind of a uh, a vignette feel to it with these really short comedic chapters that focus on different escapades of the of the patrons of the hotel our lead character taizo um he's a basically he's a yakuza we find out who has decided to leave the life he shows up at the hotel and just wants to be on vacation and relax but that's not going to work out so well with a serial killer on the loose, a super assassin sniper guy who was not Gogol 13, which I was very surprised that they, <laughs> they, yeah, they, they don't go themselves. that route. Um, they name drop a couple things, but not Golgo. No, um, some, uh, some pots, some pot dealers grow deal smoke, uh, a DEA agent, and uh, some more hitmen show up by the end of the volume, and the entire hotel is run by uh, these two maids. I believe their names were Helena and Berna, who, through deduction, very early you can figure out are the remaining two witches, but is confirmed by the end of the volume. Um, and so, yeah, it's it's a funny vignette-based episodic comedy in little itty bitty chunks. Like each chapter is like six pages long or something. Um, about the exploits of all the really weird fucking people that show up to this hotel and hang out there with fake eyeballs, lots of murder, lots of violence, um, mm-hmm. some inappropriate jokes. A lot of inappropriate jokes. <laughs> <laughs> A lot of inappropriate <laughs> jokes. Um, and it looks like it, it's crafting a a larger story, but w- as of the first volume, I really don't know what that is. Pat can correct me because he read it all to say if it does develop into a story or if it keeps more with the uh, vignette tone of the first volume. I mean, well, what I'll say without spoiling anything about it, like it largely keeps the vignette tone, but there are yet the, the breadcrumbs of the things that actually matter or that'll, you know, stick around are there already, you know, with like the mystery around the uh, serial killer and, um, the witches in general and Taizo, uh, why he is, you know, there, why he left Japan in more detail, all of that kind of, those are, it's kind of like got breadcrumbs of stories, but it doesn't have like, I would say it's, in the, it's, it's more about the vignettes than it is about any larger picture. Cool. Cool. Cause I actually really liked uh, the structure of this book. It'd be a shame if it ruined that. No, not, yeah, it's, yeah, the structure is really great, the way it just kind of, it hits on little pieces of its world one at a time, it doesn't, like, hang up on any one thing for very long, and it le- and it has a pretty big cast um, of weirdos that show up <laughs> over the course of just the first volume that are all kind of 
unique in their own strange ways and it gives you enough time with really all of them to get to know them which i really like too yeah i mean uh it has like those two witches but also this dea agent that's supposed to be taking down this pot ring because actually just kind of now addicted herself to pot and masturbating i guess <laughs> yeah. Uh, Look, I don't think that's strictly pot, man. Because the way that these, like, either this dude is um, Republican ignorant about marijuana. You got to remember, it's Japan. They yeah. are Republican ignorant about marijuana. Because the way they treat this thing, it's like, nah, that shit's like laced with heroin or something. This is <laughs> this is not just pot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they're super, like, everyone's addicted to it. Like, everyone that smokes it is addicted to it, which is, like, not how marijuana works, but whatever. <laughs> I guess that counts for them. Um, yeah, maybe it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's just pie, but it, it could be, like, a, a greater representation <laughs> of drug. Who knows? Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, she loves to masturbate when she's stoned. So. <laughs> yeah, I think she just gets off on being stoned. I think that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then there's also the uh, the owner of the hotel. Uh, he appears to be a Mexican <laughs> professional wrestler, according to the. Yeah, those uh, are totally luchador masks. Yeah. yeah, he's like a he's like a strange luchador guy. Yeah. I don't think he's ever named. I think he's always just called owner. Yeah, yeah, he's like a, a mysterious Mexican wrestler who built this hotel and is the manager. Um who supposedly got into an impromptu match with Chuck Norris, uh, <laughs> broke one of his front teeth as a result of it, one of Chuck Norris's teeth. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so that's that's how you can tell that this book was written in, like, 2006, is because it makes Chuck Norris jokes. <laughs> it, that was a very, very heavy time for all those goddamn Chuck Norris jokes. I'm so glad we have moved past that as a society but it brought a smile to my face to to revisit it here yeah. yeah we have enough distance from it to appreciate it now yeah and they're not like constantly happening yes. <laughs> uh, i gotta i gotta find the page i gotta the the bizarre there it is the manliest choppers in history <laughs> no way you knocked out his tooth there's not a person on earth who could loosen the manliest choppers in history. It's like Jesus Christ. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of like a uh, weird, not weird, but like unexpected references in here. Um, like, uh, they're randomly at the beginning of, of this chapter. He just references Luffy because you need to be, you need to wear a straw hat to block sun. <laughs> and that's yeah. how that came up. Uh, and then later on in the book, they like name drop Vegeta and Nappa somewhere. Yep. Yeah, I, she the uh, super famous model or something comes and visits after the hotel is given a three star rating. As she's laying in bed, these two dead dudes from earlier in the book, uh, their ghosts appear next to her, and she thinks that they're the the ghosts of <laughs> Nappa and Vegeta. Well, the best part of that gag is when she goes and tells everybody about it. <laughs> um, <laughs> They're, the guy's like, well, Nappa's dead, but Vegeta was brought back to life. Oh, Twice. <laughs> yeah. Which is a very nice touch, I think. Yeah. It is. Indeed, no, it, it, Dragon Ball lore. Mm-hmm. And, and it's stuff like that that kind of offsets the reference-heavy nature of it, because a lot of, like, not just manga, but any kind of story that relies so heavily on explicit references can get kind of tiresome. Um, and this is like this mix between 
referencing and incorporating uh, into the story. And I think that kind of didn't make it drag for me. Like the Vegeta came back from the dead twice joke that made that even better than just, oh, someone mistook it for the ghosts of Nappa and Vegeta. Yeah, it's, 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 yeah, it's, it's got a little more, it's got a little extra punch to it. Yeah. Yeah. And it it, kind of plays with that, that expectation too. So I, after the first or second chapter, um, when the, the two dudes who are, you know, the ghosts of Nappa and Vegeta, those guys are assassinated from inside of the Ferris wheel, the way that the whole chapter builds up towards that and, um, ends it's totally a Google 13 joke, and I was half expecting them to drop the plot line altogether to be just this standalone Google 13 joke, or to have actually Google 13 wandering through the background as he's leaving. But then they're like, nope, it's a new character. He's a gay hitman. He's the fourth best in the world. And they say so just steer so far away from the initial Google 13 joke that it's like, oh, well. This is awesome. Nothing's ever normal in the Fortnite no. Hotel. No, nothing is normal. I uh, one of my favorite characters. And I'm actually trying to remember if this happened. I'm checking something, but one of my favorite characters is uh, the robot detective, Kakaida. Yeah. <laughs> he just whips out his robot penis. Yes, oh, he does whip boy. out his robot penis the first time he meets the um his uh partner um and i need i need to like get somebody to double check a japanese copy to see what his name is in japanese because he's got to be a robot detective k reference like not a kakaida reference they look more or less identical but i need to know what his actual name is in the book um in japanese uh so if someone has a copy of it readily available tell me um because i'm too much of a nerd to to (laughs) To let this sit um, but I love him so much because he's such a stupid character because um, he's like a shitty robot detective. He's not very strong. Uh, he's an IQ of 106. Yeah, he's not very smart. He's not very four horsepower. Four horsepower. Uh, yeah, she, the partner even points out that's oddly mediocre when he's yeah. listing all of his things. Uh, like there's there's like a gag about how he's he's bound by the two laws of robotics, uh, which is really good. Yep. Um, and then there, yeah, there's the robot penis. Um, but my favorite bit is when he's brought into the room where the serial killer has murdered uh, someone, <laughs> and like just stops uncontrollably vomiting. <laughs> the robot does. He can't stop it. It's freaking hilarious because <laughs> everyone's freaking out in the in, in the visual imagery of it's just incredible. Oh. Yeah. And like the the kicker on that is that he had some uh, fancy spaghetti for lunch. The and spaghetti then, yeah. al goal. I have the page open. I was yeah. I was looking right at it. Uh, and then the the partner is like now pissed that she's like don't puke up refined food. You have to have respect. Yeah, for the food. But yeah, for as goofy and funny as a lot of it is, it's got like I it does a really good job of mixing it in with weird creepiness at the same time, which is what I really like because there's, you know, there's witches, there's ghosts, like you said, there's a hitman. We just watched somebody murder a couple guys on one panel. 
more hitmen show up. There's um, one of the characters, there's allusions to people getting killed by accidentally stepping on landmines because half the island's a, a war zone and crazy shit like that keeps happening to everybody. It's it's super weird, and I love that about it. Yeah, the, the two new hitmen that are introduced at the end, like, they're super creepy because they got, like, these ultra-blacked-out eyes, which I'm trying to remember the anime or manga that I associate most with that uh, the style of their faces. Mm-hmm. But, but it just, aside from a reference, just staring into their coal-black eyes, it's just like... and But, but then they're, they get all chipper about eating chocolate tort. Um, and it's just, it's, it's super like, it's, it's off kilter enough to where you can experience, um, both sides of their coins. You know, the, the weird comedy, like the ones a 12 year old girl and now these people are here to murder someone extremely brutally. Um, it's off kilter enough to where it doesn't feel like a tonal whiplash. Everything's just weird enough that everything is accepted as it is. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah, it's easy to accept all the weirdness on its um, own terms. Yeah. Oh, where, where's there? Uh, what's the the one other gag I really like is the um when they're in the uh, pool and it's like he's finally taken off his shirt so everyone knows that he's got a full back tattoo. Mm. Uh, everyone knows Taizo has a full back tattoo and he's got it's a um what the hell is it again? It's a um uh, cockatrice. Yeah, cockatrice. Um, and then he's also got like a seventy-four on his back, and he's like <laughs> casually just throwing. Oh, that's my attack power. <laughs> and the other guy's like, attack power is a seventy-four good or bad? I don't know how this works. <laughs> just like dumb, stupid shit like that. That makes <laughs> it a really charming book for how weird it is. Yeah, and they, with the with these assassins too, um, the. The proprietor of the hotel says, "You're the first since Chuck Norris to stay in this suite." And then they get into their room, and they're like, "Who's Chuck Norris? Who knows? Some jerk from nowhere." And they bring this up near the end of the book, and like, I don't think Chuck Norris has been name dropped since near the beginning of the book. So he's like continuing these jokes for quite a while, and uh, bringing bringing them back, knowing where where he's gone with them, uh, and knowing when to end them, I guess. Sorry, yes, I, I opened up the book and trying, was trying to find the last Chuck, Chuck Norris reference, but I ended up just uh, watching the, the pot girls get, get smoked. Um, yeah, poor pot really, girls. It was a really good chapter. Yeah, it's very good. Uh, do you like the worm that lives inside Hello Kitty? That was my favorite, because they were like, that's kind of grotesque. You're like, no, no, Guilty Chan is the worm. <laughs> A worm, the popular thing. It's like, who's the, uh, then who's the cat? It's like, oh, that's just her unnamed host. <laughs> I really hope we get more Guilty Chan in the future. Hopefully the Guilty Chan is real and comes to stay at the hotel and someone else um, occupies Hello Kitty as Parasite. So I, I can say that's what I want. I guess the question is, does Guilty move to different hosts? Or does she always stay in the in the in Hello Kitty? Mm. Question for volume two. <laughs> yeah. So I have a question for you, Pat. Yeah. How did you how did you even uh, hear about this from so long ago? So 
like I have never heard of this, uh, the author or the the manga before. But when Seven Seas uh, announced that they were licensing it, I still didn't see a whole lot of chatter about it. Uh, one person I follow, uh, Nanami's Egg, she was just screaming and yelling about it. And then at Otakon was when you brought it up to me after I had seen I think Corey reading it on on uh, Twitter. How did you guys find it? How did you know? How did people know about this eight years ago? Was, uh, was there something that that came out of it that made it like a more of a, an attractive uh, manga to read the scans of? I don't remember how I stumbled across it personally, um, or how long ago it was. Honestly, it's um, but I just was looking like for me, I just stumbled across it while looking for weird stuff and like had kind of kept an eye on the author since because I, so I've read a decent amount of his other stuff, like some of the short story stuff, some of his dojin stuff too, for that matter. And, and, you know, the stuff in robot, but, um, when like when seven C's announced it, I was like, Oh, that's really cool. I would love to see more of his stuff in English. Cause I like it and I think it's cool. And I like his style in his sense of humor, because he's got a weird sense of humor, and I like weird Japanese comedy stuff, so that's honestly probably how I stumbled across it, because I I like that kind of stuff in general. Um, I read a lot of garbage yonkomas, for that matter. So, like, so I read a lot of garbage Japanese, like, comedy comics. Um, but... Like, half the reason this podcast is happening is, like, it came out and nobody was talking about it, and that frustrated me. Like, I don't talk about manga enough on Twitter to begin with, personally. But, like, I literally just messaged uh, Corey. I'm like, hey, you should buy this. Hey, you should podcast about it. And, and you should let me podcast. <laughs> um, because it's something I wanted to talk about because I wanted to make more people talk about it. I've been trying really hard to get Casey to read it, for that matter. Um I think, yeah, I think he'd dig it a lot. Um, Especially with the suspicious jokes and stuff, like, he's right there with me on that. Yeah, exactly. Um, So, like, I think the other thing for me is, as far as U.S. manga releases are concerned, I try to pay attention to the stuff that's not uh, the usual stuff. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, I don't, I'm not, you know... Even though you can listen to me rant for an hour and a half about how great My Hero Academia is on this podcast, um, I'm not, like, going out of my way for all the new Shonen stuff or, you know, the, the, the normal things, you know? So I'm like, anytime I see someone taking a risk to do something different and interesting, I want to be supporting it because I don't think we get enough of that We, we do not. <laughs> Yeah, we're getting more, I'd say, than ever. And Seven Seas is one of the best companies at doing that. They've done some real risky stuff in, like, you know, recently, in the, you know, relatively recently. So, like, it's awesome that they're doing more. It's awesome that they're doing this. I'd love to see more of his stuff. I'd love to see more stuff kind of like this. Um, just not the stuff you normally expect that's that's what's cool to me it's like let's do let's be different sometimes let's branch out more yeah do weird like weird is the best weird is the best but my my problem with with manga is 
I just like so much. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I, I don't have very particular uh, tastes. I just, like, I'll go in in, you know, a really fluffy shoujo manga or super gritty seinen or something weird as hell like this. So when when companies like Seven Seas do take these risks and put stuff out, I'm not able to, to like, suss through, like, what are the ones that I want to, especially with Seven Seas because they're fucking trashy monster girl garbage that I never want to read, but now they're doing all this really interesting stuff, and it's hard for me to parse out what's the next monster Musume, <laughs> or you know, what's what's their next Go Nagai. Um, yeah. yeah. Well, Ver- Vertical not- used to be my jam for that, but that those days of Vertical have passed, where I would just buy like everything that Vertical put out, and you know, Velveteen and Mandala, Lychee Light Club. I was just there. For you, you feel like I you can rely trust. on them. Yeah, yeah. I, I I get that. Like, I, obviously, this has taken this podcast further and further from the point, but I don't think that matters here because um, this is an interesting discussion. I get that feeling a lot, and I think Seven Seas is actually a really perfect example of that i was trying to think of a better way to say that but like because they shit out that's the term i use too much they shit out a lot of stuff i wouldn't even call bad but a lot of you know they they put out a lot of monster girls like you said um and not all of that is very good but they've also put out you know this they put out um all the all the classic stuff is really cool, you know, a lesbian experience, um... That's, yeah. I mean, the stuff that they're putting out now that I, like, personally am a super advocate for is like this, it's, um, Get a Robo Devolution, which is great if you haven't picked that one up yet. I have, haven't read it yet. It's, it's really good. I got it's the from, female Saint Seiya. Uh, yeah. Uh, I haven't read that one, and... Eh. Um, uh, Tomo-chan is a girl is really good. Uh, that like just came out. That's probably up your alley, actually. Yeah, they came out the 11th last yeah. Tuesday. I'm, I their their release schedule is on the sidebar for the Voynich Hotel page, so I'm just kind of staring at it. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, they've got a bunch of, but like, yeah, it is tough to curate what what it especially with new stuff and from unknowns where you don't know what you can trust and what you can't um figure out what it what should i you know actually give uh my attention to what how can i pick through that stuff there's not really a good answer yeah. uh other than that it's an interesting thing to kind of talk through of oh hey what can i get what should i get yeah, most, man. most of the time, like the stuff like I'm buying now is either stuff that I already started buying, uh, or it's like some of the LGBT comics that are coming out from various places, or one of you tells me, "Hey, you should get this," and I'm like, "All right, I trust you too." Yeah, <laughs> yeah like they put out, um, oh, what is it that other? Go for it, Nakamura. Oh yeah, that was a yeah. really good, like funny little volume too. Yeah, I'm thrilled that that seems like it's done well. I, I actually, I don't know how well it's actually sold, but it seems like it's gotten a very positive response on the internet, which, you know, is awesome to me, where it's like, okay, cool, this is something unique. It's a one-shot, and it seems like it's reached its audience. They've they've done a very good job of actually reaching the uh, 
um, that LGBT audience, yeah. like, are reaching out to it pretty well, which I think is pretty cool. Yeah, I need to, I need to pick up some more some more of those titles from Seven Cities. I can't remember the name of it. Uh, it's the one that everybody is screaming and yelling about. That's up for pre order and comes out in like December or January. I can't remember the title off the top of my head, but that is one it, looks really good. Is it Shimanami Tasogare? Uh, the 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 cover art. It's no, uh, that doesn't come out till July or yeah, June, they, March May. They, the, the cover art that I'm seeing, it's it's just one, it's a boy's head, fills up the entire uh, page. It's kind of oh, blue okay. blue line art, uh, not remember. very filled in. Yeah, that's I think it is Shimanami Tasogare is the one yeah. you're thinking about. Yep, okay. I, that's where it is. I found it here. Yeah, that's, a, that's another bit. That one should be pretty cool. Uh, hopefully that does really well, because I think it's like eight volumes long. Wow. Yeah. Um... Yeah, I mean, but also like, like no good. Oh yeah, like what you were, what you were saying. Like with all this stuff that's coming out, Seven Seas. Like I basically just ignore because our 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 comic shop over here used to separate everything by uh, publisher until a new person came in and was like, "This is dumb. Let's just do A to Z for everything." But yeah. like I just ignored the Seven Seas section because it was just stuff that I was not interested in. But just in the last few months, it's just like I'm only buying new stuff yep. from Seven Seas and just everything else like I'm buying is continuing stuff from other publishers. Yeah, so yeah. Seven Seas really erupted like in the, this past year because before that I stayed away from everything they touched except for um, like I looked through Orange. Um, Ancient Magus's Bride was the only thing I was actively buying from them. Yep. I checked out uh, Love is Hell uh, which is actually pretty funny but I didn't finish it because I was like this could get really, really skeezy in the next two volumes, and given Monster Musine, like, I don't know. True Tenchi Muyo Volume 2 coming out in the end of October. Oh, boy. Yeah, yeah they're doing Tenchi Muyo light novels, so... <laughs> you can get those. Um, Corey? Yeah. Like, Seven Seas specifically has been fascinating to watch, because they were like, oh, hey, we've got the, the trashy Yuri stuff, and then they turn into... Oh hey, we've got the Monster Girl stuff, and now it's like, well, they've still got the Monster Girl stuff, and they still do Yuri too. They also um, have some manga adaptations of popular anime like Toradora and uh, was the other one Golden yeah. Golden Time or something. Yeah, and they're putting out the Toradora light novels now too, um, which I'm a big fan of. Um, so they're like they've got a little bit of everything, like. And put out some really cool stuff. Um, so it's ho- like, oh, you have to actually pay attention to everybody again. Yeah. So you should pay attention to <laughs> Seven Seas and all their good books. You should buy this one specifically. Buy the Voynich Hotel. The Voynich Hotel. Yeah. Um, <laughs> which the the name of this, going back to the Voynich Hotel, I, I thought it was the Voynich. I've never. Anyway, um, I was trying to look it up. I'm surprised that there's not liner notes in this thing. So, like, the name itself, the Voynich Hotel, Voynich Hotel, um, I'm assuming it comes from the Voynich Manuscript, which I looked it up. It's like this crazy, like, 800-year-old super code that nobody's been able to figure out what the code is. It's just, like, this old manuscript. And I'm like, does that play into this story in some way? Because, especially after reading it, all the weird references, but how it incorporates it in, makes it its own, and builds its story um, off of the weird offshoots that originate from this odd joke. 
Like that has to come into play at some point, I think. And I just think that that's really clever. But where is my like 15 page reference guide in the back of this book? Like <laughs> Viz does in almost everything in Kadansha. That would be really useful. Yeah, that's um, honestly the thing I would have. I think that's the thing it might be lacking more than anything is like liner notes. I wish more companies did that still, you know, mm-hmm. people don't do that as much anymore, especially when for something with a lot of hard Japanese references like this and just a lot of dumb old references for that matter. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that would have been cool. It's back in 2006, when Boy in a Hotel was first written, there were a lot of Chuck Norris jokes. Yes. <laughs> see, you can, see, Corey, it's easy. You should apply for a copywriting <laughs> job. You know, you gotta, you're just the uh, liner note writer for all their hot new titles. Like volume 15 of A Centaur's Life. <laughs> I, saw, I came across one when I was perusing their, their upcoming stuff. It's like, I want, called, I want to eat your pancreas. Uh, yeah, that's supposed to be really good. Yeah, it's not about, like, a monster girl, which <laughs> is what I assumed it would be about. It's, like, someone who is dying of pancreatic cancer. Yeah, so this is the most hilarious... It. It's the most hilarious title. Like, we had... The, me and Pat had this discussion um, with Reverse Thieves in their hotel room at Otakon because everybody hears this title, and they're like, what the fuck? I want to eat your pancreas. It's like, no, no, it's this super sad thing about someone wanting to take away someone else's cancer. Yeah. Yeah. Terrible. There's a movie. uh, Several movies, apparently. Yeah, I think there's a live action and an animated movie. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think the animated movie is about to come out or just came out. I've heard a lot of good things about it. Uh, I have not experienced it in any form other than it's supposed to be really sad. Um because it's someone dying of pancreatic cancer, which is very bad. Right. Same. So, but I've, I've heard it's very good. And yeah, they're putting out the manga and the novel version, aren't they? Uh, yes, that is what Wikipedia says. Yeah, so. Yeah, there's a live action. that The film just came out at the beginning of this month. Uh, that is licensed by Aniplex, or Magman Entertainment, for those that don't want to play maybe Aniplex places. <laughs> yeah. Get that. Get those region-free players, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. Uh, well, all right. We're a little off-topic here. Uh, well, maybe a little bit. Yeah. Uh, does anyone have any closing thoughts on Voyage Hotel? Would you suggest it to all of your friends and family? Uh, not all of them, but I would suggest it to a large number of them. I absolutely would would suggest it to to all of them. Because I want to see even the the staunchest, most uptight individuals that I have met over the course of my lifetime cringe at the masturbation scene. I I will get pleasure out of no matter who reads it. There will be something in it for me. So what, what's cringier, the masturbation scene or the robot presenting its robot penis? Oh, I think the robot penis because that uh, it was very polished. It was very well defined. Um, the art style of the penis you could tell was of much higher quality than yeah. the surrounding panels. So that the fact that there was that much love and care <laughs> put into the robot penis. I think it was twitching a little too. <laughs> it might have. It might have been twitching. But I love how everybody who dies just comes back to life. So now we got we got a ghost pot girl who's uh, looking for her money. <laughs> there are a lot of ghosts. Yeah. 
Yep. Um, it's good. Everyone should go buy it. Yeah, it's very enjoyable. It's very weird. And uh, it is only three volumes in its totality, so it's yep. not it's not a big investment. Yeah. How can you say no to that? Oh. Uh, it is definitely it is definitely twitching because it vibrates. Oh. I just looked it up again. <laughs> there you it has go. A little ver uh, sound effects. Oh, nice. Well then, I'm almost there. <laughs> There's puke. That's puking. No, it's, too far. it's not. It's 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 too far ahead. Okay. It's like no two puking. pages before the puking. Well then, I am not. There it is. There it is. It right in the middle of the page. I was looking in the edges. Yeah, yeah. It's it's vibrating, and it's constantly erect. It looks like too. Yeah. So that's that's a bonus. Maybe he has control. He's ready that. to go. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> robot penises it's why the listeners come here to get that that manga in their ears <laughs> yep yeah. this is not something that i think helen and april would enjoy <laughs> all right well uh with that let's close this thing out where can we find everyone on the internet uh chris uh you can find me on the twitters at gokufi um yes you heard that correctly. Yes, I was heartbroken when I wasn't invited to talk about One Piece. Yeah, jeez. Jeez. Um, or you can yell at me through the Taiku podcast uh, Twitter, and you can also hear me spout just as much asinine bullshit um, about sports anime and Kurosawa movies over at the Taiku podcast with Corey. Yeah. Um, you know, first off, we didn't talk about Helena's uh, Open for Business t-shirt. Um <laughs> There's a lot of uh, t-shirts in here, isn't there? There are. Um, <laughs> open for business with an arrow pointing down. You made yeah. me go change. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at Pat's Prime, um, and then you can check out my podcast, The Cockpit, at uh, thecockpit.net or at CockpitPod on Twitter, where I talk about robots a lot uh, and robot animes and things like that. No robot penises, though? This is your one time? Oh, that's definitely come up, I think. I'm thinking about... I can't remember anything specific, but it's got to have. Okay, good. Yeah. yeah. Be surprised if it hasn't. All right. Uh, you can find me on Twitter. I am Passionate K. You can find this podcast on Twitter at Monkey in Your Ears. You can find my other podcast with Chris on Twitter at Taiku Podcast, T-A-I-I-K-U. And you can find all of our episodes of both this and that other podcast on uh, Taiku Podcast. Dot com. Uh, thank you both for coming on. Talking about Voyage Hotel. Uh, thank you. Go buy it. Yep. Yeah. Trying to shake my ass to some Neptunes. Wake up in the morning in the Applebee's restroom. Damn, I'm in it. Swag revolution. No why all beneath all your bad unconstitutional. Es probable que veamos...